Hey everybody, thank you for listening this week as we dive into a series that we're calling The Wilderness, A Journey to Obedience, where our prayer is that you would learn God's plan for your obedience and that this will result in a transformed life that would call people to Jesus. Are you ready? Let's lean in. Amen. Right on. Hey guys. I don't know about you guys, but um, that was good, right? That was good. I needed that uh, because uh, I don't do this all too often, uh, but apparently I'm called to go to Monk's Corner uh, through the power of Jesus and uh, make his name known there. So I struggle with that a lot. I struggle with uh, not being good enough, uh, but knowing that God is enough is good enough for me, right? Right on. Um, So... It's 4th of July weekend, and I hope that you're having fun. I hope that you're celebrating. I hope that you're doing something, uh, whether it's staying at home or having time with family. Hey, you're free to do that, right? Um, We are going through Numbers 31 today. We are still in Numbers. (laughs) We're getting through it, though. It's good, right? God's teaching us a lot. He's showing us a lot. He's showing me a lot. And I talked to Ricky this week um, about the, you know, strategy or, or the, um, the layout of uh, us going through numbers and stuff. And so we should be through the Old Testament by at least the year 2032. Uh, so we're, we're on track. We're, we're going to get through it. Um, it, it. It only gets better as we go. So let me pray before we get started uh, because I need it. So Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for this weekend. Thank you that we can, uh, that, that we're free uh, to, to celebrate you and uh, just celebrate our freedom. God, thank you uh, for who you are. I pray right now that uh, I would disappear. God, in a thousand years, Corey Hammond does not matter. But in a thousand years, Jesus Christ does. And so, Lord, I pray that I'm nothing more than a megaphone for you. I pray they don't see me. They see you. I pray that you would speak uh, today. It's in Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Um, if you don't know me all that well, uh, I'm from Chesney, and that should explain a lot. Um, if you're from Chesney, it's a great place. Uh, you should definitely go there from Bantam Chef. But it's, it's, it's what's 90% of what's wrong with me, but it's fine. Uh, it's a great place. It really is. Uh, but... So when I was little, we had a pool, and I was swimming because I was a fish during the summertime. So I was, I was always in that pool. And my dad would always be out in the yard, and he would be doing yard work, or he would be doing something. And so we had a birdhouse that we had built together, and we tacked it up on this tree super high, and uh, we had some robins in the birdhouse, and... Um, they were living in there, and they were ha- uh, having uh, babies, I guess, is what you call it, yeah, laying eggs. And I'm looking for my wife for a ferment, and she's just like, yeah, no, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, didn't, didn't research what you call that. Anyway, so there were baby robins that had been, like, the eggs were in there. They hadn't hatched yet. And so my dad was walking by. He was doing something, and he stopped, and he walked back. 
And he looked into the birdhouse, and he got a little closer. And he jumped back like five feet, and he looked at me, and he said, Bobby, because for some reason, even though my name's Corey, my dad calls me Bobby. Um, I don't know why. He never really explained it. Bobby, stay in the pool. Don't leave the pool. You're safe in the pool. Stay in the pool. I'll be right back. And so he runs, right? He runs with all his I've never seen my dad run before in my life, but he runs. And so he's gone for like five minutes. I'm just, you know, chilling in the pool. I'm doing my thing, playing Marco Polo by myself because I'm an only child, you know. So it's really, it's easy. I win every time. And so he comes back out, and now he has a gun. And I'm not talking like a little gun. He's got a big gun, all right? And I'm like, well, okay. Dad's going to murder a bird. Awesome. Cool, we're having a bird tonight. You know, I just, maybe, maybe we can't afford Bantam Chef this week. So he's going to kill the robin. We're going to eat bird. Cool, awesome. It's Chesney. So you just kind of get used to it. And so he sits there, and he's just ready. He's like, all right, we're good. He didn't take this stance. I don't know why I did this, but it's fine. He's not, he's not like George Washington or nothing. So. But he, he, he sits there, and he waits. All of a sudden, a black snake pops out of the hole, pow, shoots it, right? One shot, dead. I'm like, wow, my dad's awesome, but that's cool. He shot a snake. This little black snake probably wasn't going to hurt anybody or anything, but he shot it. And he said, it was probably not going to do anything, but I didn't want it around my family, just in case. It probably wouldn't have touched us. It probably would have ran away, but I didn't want to take the chance because I hate snakes. So why do I tell you that story, right? It's kind of a funny story, but why? It kind of ties in with a little bit of what God has shown me through um, Numbers 31. See, I, I, I had a plan for this, and last Sunday when Grayson was preaching, God changed it. So uh, forgive me if I'm a little bit scattered. had a week to prepare. Um, also forgive me if I don't know uh, how to say these names right. So it's going to be good. Uh, but to set up for Numbers 31, I, I want to give us a quick refresh uh, I know we already read it, uh, Numbers 25. See, what happens in Numbers 25 um, is why we have Numbers 31. And so really quickly, I just kind of wanted to reread. I'm not going to reread the whole thing, uh, just the first little verse, uh, just to kind of get our minds back to um, why this is happening in Numbers 31. So in Numbers 25, it says, While the Israelites were camped at the Acacia Grove, some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with the local Moabite women. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods, so the Israelites feasted with them and worshipped the gods of Moab. In this way, Israel joined in the worship of Baal of Peor, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. So Israelites are like, whoa, these Moabite women, hey, right? And so because of that, they trick them into worshiping the Moabite god, which isn't real, right? It's a false god. And so we know the story, you know, we read through it. But it sets up beautifully um, 
Numbers 31. And so let's go ahead and hop in it. Uh, what I'm going to do, we're going to basically focus on verses 1 through 18. Um, that's where God kind of took me. Uh, so what my plan is, I'm going to read it in chunks and then uh, kind of break it down after that. So uh, let's hop into verse 1. We're going to be verses 1 through 8 first, then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, On behalf of the people of Israel... Take revenge on the, Midianite, on the Midianites for leading them into idolatry. Now, other translations say avenge the people, and I kind of like that better than revenge. Uh, it's just a translation I was using uh, this week said revenge. So um, just wanted to give you a little context there. But Moses said to the people, choose some men and arm them to fight the Lord's war of revenge. Once again, avenge against Midian. From each tribe of Israel, send 1,000 men into battle. So they chose 1,000 men from each tribe of Israel, a total of 12,000 men armed for battle. Then Moses sent them out, 1,000 men from each tribe. And Phinehas, sorry if I butchered that, I Googled it, I didn't know. Son of Eleazar, the priest led them into battle. They carried along the holy objects of the sanctuary and the trumpets for sounding the charge. They attacked Midian as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they killed all the men. All five of the Midianite kings, uh, Evi, or Evi, uh, Rakim, Zerher, and Reba, died in the battle. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with a sword. So it seems like our friend Balaam didn't get the righteous death that he asked for a few chapters ago, right? So all five of the kings are dead. They arm up 12,000 men and they go fight a war against Midian because of what happened in chapter 25. I don't know about you, but if you, like if Grayson looked at me and said, hey man, um, I hate Dunkin' Donuts and I love Krispy Kreme. I'm going to arm up 12,000 men and we're going to take out every Dunkin' Donuts that we see because Krispy Kreme is where you get donuts. I'm like, okay, Grayson, you, you are pretty diehard about Krispy Kreme, and you're taking Krispy Kreme pretty seriously. Maybe just pray about that. Yeah. Um, actually, I would join the battle. It's fine. Uh, so it seems to me, if you're going to arm up 12,000 men and send them to fight a people, I would say you take idolatry pretty seriously. I feel like the Lord takes idolatry Pretty seriously, wouldn't you say? He armed up 12,000 men to basically wipe out a people because a few chapters ago, those people led his people into believing a different God. So I guess the question is, well, what is idolatry, right? Well, I mean, we kind of know, um, but what I'd like to do is find where I looked it up at. I looked it up on my phone, and I saved it because I'm prepared. It says the idolatry in the Christian biblical uh, definition is the worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God. The worship of someone or something 
other than God, as though it were God. See, that's the thing. It doesn't even have to be a thing. We always look at it and it's like, oh yeah, that thing. If I get that thing, if I, if I, if I get that car, I'll be fulfilled, I'll be good. If I get that job, hey man, I'll be good. It'll be good. That job's going to get it. Or, no, it could be a person. Hey, if I get married, bro, if I get married, then I'm going to be good. Or if, if I get a girlfriend, I'm going to be good. Or if I get a boyfriend, I'm going to be good. It could be someone, too. I mean, it's what happened to the Israelites. It didn't start with them just worshiping uh, the other God. See, I can't even remember his name now. That's how much he doesn't matter. It didn't start there. It started with the fact that they wanted the Moabite women. They were like, hey, hey, these Moabite women are pretty. They're pretty. I think we should go after them. And then that, that led them to completely just look away. So it doesn't have to be just a thing. It could be a person. So what I'd love to do now is jump back in. I want to read the rest of, um, it'll be verses 9 through 18. We're going to see what God does, what he leads his people to do. So jumping back in uh, to verse 9, it says, Then the Israelite army captured the Midianite women and children and seized their cattle and flocks and all their wealth as plunder. They burned all the towns and villages where the Midianites had lived after they had gathered the plunder and captives, both people and animals. They brought them all to Moses and Eliezer, the priest, and to the whole community of Israel, which was camped on the plains of Moab beside the Jordan River across from Jericho. Moses, Eliezer, the priest, and the leaders of the community went to meet them outside of the camp, but Moses... But Moses was furious with all the generals and the captains who had returned from battle. Why have you let all the women live, he demanded. These are the very ones who followed Balaam's advice and caused the people of Israel to rebel against the Lord at Mount Peor. They're the ones who caused the plague to strike the Lord's people. So kill all the boys and all the women who had had intercourse with a man, only the young virgins may live and you may keep them for yourself. How seriously does God take idolatry? He wiped out an entire people group because of it. He said, kill all the men, kill anyone who had had intercourse with those men, only the virgins you may keep for yourself. He was making sure that Midian was going to be no more. The Moabites were going to be no more. Now, yes, one could, excuse me, one could say that God was setting up, you know, hey, I'm giving you this promised land, and this is how I'm going to do it. And yes, he was doing that. That was a part of the plan. But he wiped out an entire, that blows my mind. How much does God love you and care about you? That he would wipe out a people group. Because you're following something that's not good for you. So like the Israelites, we need to kill the idols that are in our life. Right? 
And here's the thing. You can have idols and not even know you have an idol. Because our hearts are very fickle. We're humans. It's in our nature to sin. It's in our nature to do things against God. So you can have an idol and have no idea that it's an idol. I love golf. I love golf. It's a great sport. It's fun. I don't get mad at it anymore. (laughs) But sometimes that can actually take God's place. I can get so focused on playing or so focused on watching a video that will make me get better that I just, I'm like, hey, God, give me five minutes, and once I'm really good at golf, then I'll come back to you, and we'll be good. You can have an idol and have no idea. You know, husbands in here, you can make your wife an idol and have no idea that she's an idol in your head. You know, I still struggle with that. I still struggle with putting my wife before Jesus because I want to make my wife happy. I want to love her like Jesus, and in doing that, I sometimes accidentally put her before Jesus. That doesn't end very well. So the question is, if we have idols in our life, and I promise you, you do, because you're a human being, the question remains, well, okay, Corey, I have all these idols in my life, right? I have all these things that I'm putting before Jesus. Well, how do I get rid of how do I kill them? If, if you're telling me to kill my idols, then how do I do that? It's a great idea, Corey, but how do I do that? Well, for that, I want to jump into Romans 8. And Isaac touched on this a little bit earlier. Romans 8. Now, Paul is writing to the Romans. He's writing to the, the church in Rome. And in Romans, 8, chap, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 12... It says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You have no obligation. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if you, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature... You will live. For all, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. How do you kill the idols in your life? Well, you don't kill them yourself because you'll never do it. Although you have no obligation to your sin, in our flesh, Without Jesus, we are a slave to it. And you'll never beat it yourself. So if you walked in here today thinking, oh man, you know, I got a few idols, but I can slay them and it's no, it's no problem. You know, you, I, I've talked about it before, but I, I don't know why, but I, I just feel like it's the spirit. I'll talk about it again. I, I thought that I could beat pornography for 12 years. Guess what? I couldn't. I was trapped to that. I was a slave to that. I didn't want that, but yet I found myself night in and night out watching it and falling a victim to it. You know what broke me free? Well, Jesus. 
<laughs> I know it's kind of a silly answer, but seriously. It says, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. Through the power of the Spirit. Jesus will break you free of those chains. And Jesus will kill those idols in your life. But you have to give him the idols of your life. Jesus, I don't want it anymore. Jesus, I can't do it anymore. So what does that look like? (laughs) It's a daily walk with Jesus. It is a daily walk with Jesus. And waking up in the morning saying, man, God, thank you for today. God, I know that I am sinful. And I know that you are good. Help me look to you today. Help me lay these things at your feet today. God, I want you today. Help me follow you today. And you do that every day. You don't pray that one time and you're good. You do that every single day. Because if you don't have a relationship in here with Jesus, that's what it is. It's a relationship. I'm married, and if I don't talk to my wife for six months, she's probably going to be, one, uh, wondering why. (laughs) Two, I'm probably not going to be married for very long. Although my wife is full of grace, so maybe. You can't give Jesus your idols if you don't know Jesus. Jesus came to earth. He came here. He chose it. Because he looked at you, sir. He looked at you, ma'am, and he said, you know what? No, they're worth it. They're worth it. They are beautiful, and they are wonderful, and they are worth it. So let me go, because they'll never do it themselves. Let me go. Let me take their sin. Let me take their shame. Let me take their guilt. Let me take their hurt. Let me take everything that they got and let me nail it to this cross and let me die for them because that is the only way that they're going to have a relationship with me. The God of the universe, the one who spoke, he didn't have to move a finger, he spoke everything into existence. He chose you. He wanted you. He died for you. But he didn't stay dead for you. Because he rose, and when he rose, he gave, he he overcame sin, he overcame death, he overcame the grave, and he overcame it for you. He overcame it for me. He overcame it for us. And if that ain't worth celebrating on this 4th of July, there's freedom in that. There's some freedom in that. Hey, how, how are we not obligated to sin anymore? Because Jesus died for me. Jesus took it 
from me. It's not mine anymore. I don't have to carry that anymore. That's not mine. I'm going to give it to you, Jesus. Guess what? You take it. I don't want it. I can't handle it. It's going to bring me down and it's going to burden me. It's going to make it to where I don't feel good enough. I don't feel pretty enough. I don't feel anything at all. I just don't feel, God. I don't feel anything anymore. Jesus wants it. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Jesus wants it. He says, hey, just give it to me, please. I'm begging you, please. Please. I'm here for you. I love you. I want you. Don't turn from me, please. You don't have that today? Well, there's a room full of people who would love to talk with you, pray with you. If you need prayer today, hey, there's an idol I've been dealing with and it just won't go away. Or, or there's a sin in my life and it just won't go away and I've been trying to shake it. There's a room full of people. There's me, there's Grace, and there's Tyler, there's Isaac. Just grab somebody before you leave. Don't walk out of here with that. God doesn't want you to walk out of here with that. Today's the day. Today is the day to kill those idols. Today is the day to say, no, I'm not obligated to my sin. I'm going to let Jesus have it. Just bow your heads with me. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, you, thank you for you. I pray right now over these people. I don't, I don't know what they're dealing with or what they're going through. But God, I pray today is the day that we, as your people, would be bold. And that we, as your people, would say, no, we don't want that. That idol is bringing me nothing but hurt and is stopping me from following you with my whole heart. God, help us kill our idols today through your power. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening this week. To learn more about ID Clifton, including our gathering times, small groups, and upcoming events, check out our website at idclifton.com. Again, Thank you for listening to the ID Clifton podcast. And remember, love God and love others. See you next week.